0: Good morning, everyone. Today, I want to share with you a message titled Words of Wisdom. And the subtitle really is the point of it all when it says this, how not to waste your life. You and I are not perfect. There are opportunities that we waste from time to time. That happens. But wasted too much wasted time over time can produce a wasted life. I I don't know know about you, but I know for me, that bugs me and that bothers me. In fact, I actually can say with all confidence that I know it bothers you, even if you don't know it bothers you. Do you know how I know this? It's because we all are bothered by the same questions of identity. Even as a young child, we are almost as if we were programmed. Almost as if we were designed to think in this way. Who am I? What is my purpose in life? What is my identity? Why do we all, regardless of your faith in Christ or belief in God, why do we all think in this way? Why are we all bothered with our purpose and our identity? It's almost as if deep down inside we know that there's value in this life. It's like deep down inside there's this instinct in us that we know I don't want to waste this life and I need to know who I am and what is my purpose, so I can take advantage of it. For us, especially as believers in Christ, we know that we look to the scriptures for those answers because we realize that we cannot find it in in, and of ourselves. Now, you and I, we all have a habit. We all do this. We all have a habit of going somewhere to find information, going somewhere to find wisdom, going somewhere to find something that you don't know. Do you realize that we don't go searching inside of ourselves when we have a certain question? When you want to learn a skill or develop a process, or w- deep down inside, don't realize that we don't go looking inside of ourselves. We don't go searching in and ourselves. What do we do? We go searching outside of ourselves. We go to Google, don't we? All right, we go to Google. When you don't know how to do something, you go to Google. In fact, that's the number one use of YouTube is how-to videos, how to do something. When you want to learn and gain knowledge, gain wisdom, we don't go searching inside of ourselves. We go searching outside of ourselves. And what I want to share with you today is there are things you can go to Google for, but there are certain things that you can go to God for, and you need to be able to go to him. And for us, we go to instead of jumping on a search engine, we go to the scriptures. We search the scriptures. And what's so unique about God's word, what's so unique about the scriptures is that not only do we search in its pages, but as we search the scriptures, the scriptures search us and show us who we are in him. Now, but for us to be able to search the scriptures and gain God's wisdom so we don't waste our life, you have to understand that we have to meet God's terms in order to gain God's wisdom. And we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In it is one of the most popular Bible verses that Christians claim and believe and and still memorize today. So there's some of the sections you're going to sound, it's going to sound very familiar. But we're going to look at this section in the book of Proverbs. Because not only we talk about words of wisdom, and man, Proverbs is full of them. In fact, there's five books in the Bible considered the wisdom books. And in there, there's a lot of great information. And three out of the five books were written by a guy named Solomon, King Solomon. Considered, what the scriptures say, one of the wisest men to have ever lived. In fact, even in today's terms, he's considered one of the wealthiest men to have ever lived. And in the book of Proverbs, he has written this and he's writing this book. He wrote this book during the time of 970 B.C. all the way through 930. Around there, most of the Proverbs is assumed to have been written. Because it was during this time that he was now ruling Israel. He was king over Israel for 40 years. And this was a time, it was like the golden age in Israel's history where they experienced, I mean, unprecedented peace and prosperity. And the nations were all coming together. Leaders from all around the world were coming to Israel to see, man, what is so special about what is happening in this strip of land? They wanted to figure it out. And so a lot of the wisdom that Solomon lived and ruled by was captured here for us. And one of the biggest themes that we see that Solomon was communicating to the nation of Israel but not only all to the rest of the nations, was that wisdom is found in a relationship with God. Wisdom is found in a relationship with God. And there is no difference for us today. In fact, let's look at the first terms. If we want to receive this wisdom, if we want to receive God's wisdom for our life so we don't waste our life, we need to understand God's terms. And God's terms are this. You need to be able to hear God's word, believe God's word, and obey God's word. Those are God's terms. Those are God's terms. The better we hear God's words, truly hear, believe God's words, and obey God's words, the more wisdom God imparts in us. And then the more we want to hear more and then believe it more and then obey more because we realize, wow, this is amazing. And so here we see in chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, we see term number one. You need to hear God's word in order to receive God's wisdom. Scripture says this, Solomon writes to us, it says, My son, do not forget my teachings, and let your heart, and let your heart keep my commandments, for length of days and the years of life, and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, but bind them around your neck, and write them on the tablets of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. What you just read here is a commonality, it's a common theme that we see in the first few chapters around the first third of the book of Proverbs where you see constantly this admonition, this encouragement from a father to a son saying, buddy, I need you to listen. Listen to my words, listen to the words of your mother. All right, pay attention. I don't want you to miss this because your life is valuable. And so this is a lot of encouragement here. And we're going to see very soon there's a lot of warnings that happen. Listen, if you believe and re- if you hear and believe and apply the words you're about to hear, man is going to bless you. It's going to make a difference in your life. But if you don't, it's not going to end well, buddy. It's not going to end well. You can see the father starting off saying, Son. This is Solomon speaking not only as a father to his children, but as the father of this nation, as the leader of this nation speaking to his children, those he is leading. But we are, and we can hear. Even today, the father's voice saying to us, my son, my daughter, please listen to me. Hear these words. Even, I love the word that he used, man, bind them around your neck. So notice, isn't just casual listening. It's not just like some of us as husbands, right, when you kind of are hearing your wife but not really and then they bring something up later I was like wait you never said that right that happens we've all experienced that kids oh my gosh they're notorious for this right when you have to tell a kid a thousand times something and then when you later on you repeat it was like wait you never said that really all right kids are notorious for this but you know what human beings we are all notorious for this so God is saying look I want you not only to hear me Hear me, but, but bind them, hold on to them, engrave them in who you are because of our natural tendencies as human beings to forget, to forget. This, this image of binding to your necks reminds me of one time my mother, when I was a child, she bound me to herself. Now, it sounds really bad, but let me explain. This was in the 90s, and it was a thing that kind of came out. It was a little bungee cord for kids, all right? Some of you might know what this was like. And she connected this bungee cord to my wrist and then to her wrist, So every time I would go run off, man, that bungee would stretch and she would yank that back and she would yank me back. And then I'd take off the other way and yank me back. Why did she tie me up to herself? In public, out of all places. Why? I was valuable to her, right? I was valuable to her. And because I was valuable to her, she did not want to lose me. And she also knew that If I took off running, she couldn't catch me. And so she wanted to make sure I was there. So, God, you can hear the Father saying, listen, if you want to hear my, if you want to receive God's wisdom, hear my words and bind them. So, if you tend to forget, you can bring them back in. When the enemy tries to distract you with your lies, know the truth is close at hand. So, you will not follow in the wrong way. So here we see, we've got to hear, active listening, hear the word of God to receive God's wisdom. But then after that, after you hear it, is the most, probably the most important step. It's do you believe what you heard? Do you believe it? Look at chapter, we're going to look at verse now, keep on going, verse 5. says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. See if you hear God's words then there's this response called trust. Place your faith, believe with all, not some, man, all of your heart. And then he gives the opposite. See, trusting in the Lord with all of your heart means that you don't no longer you are no longer leaning on your own understanding. Now, God is saying trust me, what he is not saying is don't think. That's not what he is saying. He's saying understand that you have limitations. Again, we don't go searching inside of ourselves for information. We go outside. So what he is saying is something common that we all do. He's saying, look, don't go searching deep down in yourself. Don't trust in yourself fully to figure everything out, buddy. You ain't going to find it there. Look to me. Trust me with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understandings. Here we have King Solomon continue saying, in all your ways, acknowledge God and he will direct your path. You know what this reminds me of? When he makes your path straight, he is not saying that everything's going to go easy. He's not saying that you don't got to try just sitting in cruise control, man, and life's going to go smooth. What God is saying that is he will guide. If you trust in him with your life, he will guide your life. Just like GPS, man. Look, you and I do this all the time. Why do you use a GPS? Because you don't know how to get to from where you are to where you've never been. You don't know how to get there. So you punch in coordinates into a machine and then you have faith that that machine is going to lead you to the correct place, don't you? How do you know that? If you've never been to where you're going, because if you knew where you were going, you wouldn't need the GPS, but you are placing your trust in the machine, in the satellite to guide you every step of the way, aren't you? You're not trusting in yourself to figure it out. You're not just driving off and say, okay, I'm going to head in That direction and see if I can make it. No, that's trusting in yourself. We go to GPSs to guide us. That's what God is saying. Realize that you can't get to where you need to be without me. Trust me. I'll get you there, I will take you there. Trust in me. And then we see this beautiful, this beautiful encouragement and blessing in verse six and seven. I mean, he continues on in verse eight and nine. If you trust in me with all of your heart and I will guide you, I will make your path straight. It says, do not be wise, verse 7 and 8 actually. Be not wise in your own eyes. Again, don't lean on your own understandings. Repeating it, saying it differently. But fear the Lord and turn away from evil. See, to trust in the Lord is to fear the Lord. Is to take him seriously. It's to believe in, wow, if God is saying this, then I'm not even going to touch that. I ain't going to get near this. I believe him. I believe. I believe. Fear the Lord, fear the Lord. And then in verse 8, look at this, a beautiful promise, and it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Listen, it's going to feel good when you trust in God. It's going to feel good when you trust in God, knowing that he is not going to get you lost, knowing that he is trees taking care of. you. You're going to feel it deep down inside. Listen, when you don't, when you rely on your own understanding, you know what's going to happen? You don't feel good, you feel frustrated because you realize that you aren't enough. When you fear man instead of fearing God and you make decisions based on what others are going to think or what others are going to say or what others, if you do that, you're constantly going to, you know what you're going to feel? Insecurity and worry. But here he's saying, when you trust in me, it's going to feel good. Look, we're Floridians. We know what, we know what feeling good and refreshment is during the summer. This weekend kicked off the summer here in Florida, right? And so what is, you guys know, what feels good, And actually, I'm going to say it differently. You know that nothing feels better around this time than air conditioning. Right? Air conditioning. When you go from outside of the heat and the humidity and you walk into a building with air conditioning, you pause and you let that soak in to let it just hit every pore in your body. Just, oh, yes. When you trust in God, it's like that. It's you step into his presence and you realize that there's no fear and no insecurity and no worry because your God is big enough and he loves you and you can trust in him and it just feels. Got you, he got you. So the terms are: if you want to receive God's wisdom, you need to hear God's words, believe God's word. But then comes the next step, and this is actually a sign whether if you believe God's word or not. Obey God's word, put it into practice. Verse nine and ten. Paul, uh, verse nine and ten. King Solomon, excuse me, continues on and says, "Honor the Lord with your wealth, and with the first fruit of all your produce." And then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So now we have this connection of trusting in the Lord will lead you to honoring the Lord. Trusting in the Lord, fearing the Lord, honoring the Lord. They're all the same thing. Different expressions of the same thing. Honor the Lord with your wealth. You know what that's saying? is that trusting in God is not just a mind position, a heart position, it's a hand position. Trusting in God inside is going to come out in the way that you handle everything. In the way you steward the relationships that you have. In the way you steward your opportunities. In the way you steward your life. In the way you steward your finances especially. Notice when it says, give God your first fruits. This is a tough one for a lot of us. This is part of the generosity, God gi- giving into and investing into the kingdom of God. A lot of times people are not generous because they wait to say, look, let me pay my bills. Let me do what I got to do. I got stuff. I got plans. At the end of the month, if I got anything left over, all right, I can see what I can do. But you, got, you know. You know that that doesn't always work out that way. Things happen one thing after another. By the way, do you know that if you choose to do first Rather than give, you are leaning on your own understanding, leaning on your own ability. You're leaning on yourself. You're scared. You don't trust God. Because to give God first, to give God his tithe, to give God his offering, to give it first before you do anything else is a sign of trust. You are saying, Lord, I honor you. I bless you. I thank you for what you've given me. And I'm going to give you the first because I love you, because you love me. And, and me giving you the first is I am trusting you with the rest, that the rest is going to be enough. That the rest, that you are enough and that the rest is gonna be enough. And then the promise, right? You have the barns filled with plenty, vats bursting with wine. Look, God's not gonna say that, you know, the tap is gonna be available. Is he? He's not mentioning, this is not a financial promise necessarily. Because when you govern your life well and when you govern all of your life, especially your resources, this is not a promise in saying, hey, give me first, and man, you're gonna be the first to get some money back. All right, not always. Be careful. The barns and the, that are going to burst is, man, your soul. When you know that you, again, remember the refreshment, right? The refreshment of the bones and the healing of your flesh. When you give God, when you trust him with your stuff, man, you are going to be bursting with peace, bursting with joy, bursting with things that your stuff cannot produce in your life. Only God can. And when you trust him with your heart, you're going to try it. It's going to come out in the way that you apply it. And especially we can see in the way you govern your life. But obeying God's word isn't just necessarily trying it. There's this last part where Solomon finishes. It says, my son, do not, and do not despise, before I wrap this up, do not despise, Solomon is saying, the Lord's discipline. Or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son, in whom he delights. Man, everything was feeling good up until the point you started saying discipline. This is actually better than maybe the way some of you read that. Because when we read discipline, we think of discipline, right? Being disciplined by our parents, our teachers, our bosses. It's a negative thing. But the word discipline here is different than that. It's actually involving training. Because you see here, he's very specific. Look, the father loves he reproves those he loves and now why why is there a need for discipline because as we trust in the lord you are not always going to do it right and in fact the word wisdom that we see in the in the hebrew that is used here and in many other places wisdom actually can be translated to the word skill it's not easy to be able to just be wise it's a skill that we develop and the Father saying, if you trust in me, I'm going to help you develop that skill. Remember the GPS, right? You got to trust in your God and the way you trust in the GPS. You punch in information that's going to lead you somewhere. It's going to lead you somewhere and you trust turn by turn. What happens if you miss a turn? What happens if you're distracted and you miss an exit? What happens if you thought that that was the right exit and you jumped the gun, right? Or you, you made a mistake or you weren't paying attention. What happens? What does GPS do? It reroutes you. It recalculates. It's rerouting you. It's rerouting you and making, finding the straightest path now from where you are to where you need to be. And what the God is saying. And none of us get upset when GPS says rerouting. None of us get upset at that voice. Recalculating. Right? Well, we don't get upset at that. I'm like, oh, why are you yelling at me, man? Why are you yelling? Well, we don't get uppity of that voice. Why? Because we know the voice is trying to help. We know the voice is trying to get us back on track. And so God wants to say to us and what he's communicating is, listen, when you trust in me and when you try it, when you honor me with your stuff and when you don't do it right the first time or when you're trying to learn and you make a mistake or, or you waste a moment here and there and you're not paying attention I'm going to reroute you because that's what making your path straight looks like. I'm going to reroute you when you miss an exit. I'm going to reroute you when you make a mistake. I'm going to reroute you to the straightest path from where you are to where I am taking you. I am going to reroute you. But listen, when I'm correcting you, understand it's in love. Understand I'm helping you. Don't dismiss my voice. Don't dismiss my voice. And so we see how to gain God's wisdom is first got to be able to gain, you got to be able to hear that word of God. Believe the word of God and obey the word of God. Applying it and submitting to the Lord's corrections as we do. That's how we gain God's wisdom. But you know what's, what's interesting about wisdom and about us? For us, see, wisdom is something we think we have to go looking for. Wisdom is something that we seek. But the book of Proverbs, and in fact throughout the whole scriptures, we realize that, we are not seeking wisdom. Wisdom is seeking us. Wisdom is seeking us. In the book of Proverbs, it has phrases and said, listen, wisdom is standing in the streets and yelling. Wisdom is seeking us. And the reason why wisdom is seeking us is because we cannot obtain wisdom on our terms. In fact, Adam and Eve rejected the wisdom of God at the very beginning for knowledge. They thought that they can rely on their own understanding and sin and death and separation of the world. They rejected wisdom because they, rejected, they accepted and relied on their understanding of what knowledge was and it wasn't enough. And from that day on, wisdom came seeking us. Wisdom has a voice that is screaming out to us. Now, the reason why wisdom has a voice is because wisdom has a name. Wisdom is not an it, it is a who. And wisdom came in the form of Jesus Christ so that we can obtain more than just information but experience a transformation in his love. In Matthew 7, Jesus himself comes down. And in his one and only recorded sermon that we have, this is full sermon, he wraps it up in a very similar way in the way we look at the book of Proverbs in many sections there. The Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gives in Matthew 7 is full of a lot of encouraging words and wise wisdom, wise sayings on how to live your life and how not to waste it. And then he finishes it with a warning. Sounding very similar, very similar to the voice of the Father that we see in Proverbs 3. And here Jesus says in verse 24 through 27, He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, hears, believes, and obeys, Will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat on that house. But it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine yet does not do them because you didn't believe them, really. You were like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell. And great was its fall. Two people. Two different outcomes. Similar circumstances, though. They both were experiencing similar circumstances. And Jesus says these are the two kinds of people that exist in the world. Which one are you? Which category will you find yourself in? Which one? For those who believe and hear and believe and obey the word of God, you are building your house on something solid that's going to last. If you don't, if you lean on your own understanding instead, it's like building a sandcastle or your house on sand. Us Floridians, we know what sandcastles look like. And what happens when a wave comes after you build the sandcastle? It's not going to make it. What happens when the rains come? It's not enough. There are a lot of people who build houses on the beaches here in Florida. And, hey, this summer, this week, this weekend actually also was the launch of summer. And hurricane season. Hurricanes can mess you up. They can mess up a house. And you got to build it right to be able to withstand a storm. Jesus is saying, listen, if you trust in me, when the storms of life come, and when the rain just beats down, on the roof of your soul, when the clouds are so dark that you can't see even the hand in front of you, when all you can hear is the wind howling and slamming up against your windows, you can have peace. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. You can trust in me. See, the reason why we can trust in the Lord with all of our heart is because we have a Lord who loves us with all of his We can trust in the Lord with all of our heart because we have a God who loves us, a Lord who loves us with all of his heart that he came seeking us when we could not seek him. Here he says, and the reason why that Jesus is saying, the reason why my wisdom, the reason why my words are able to help withstand you, it's not just information, it's not up here, it's not head knowledge, it's heart knowledge. It's knowing me because wisdom is not an it. It's a person. It's a who. It's Jesus. When we know him, we got all that we need. And the reason why we can survive the storms of life is because Jesus on the cross survived the wrath and the storm of God. For our sins. Jesus took on the storm that is called the wrath of God. And even though he died, he rose again. See, the storm was gone, but Jesus, Jesus remained. And because Jesus lives, we can live. When we place our trust in him, in his love. When the storms of life come and when death itself comes, we don't have to flinch. Because we know we got a savior who loves us. A savior who's already survived that storm. And if we rest and trust in him, he We'll do the rest. Trust him with all of your heart. It's just like a trust fall. You've, some of you have seen that. A trust fall only works when you truly commit and fall into and believing that the person behind you is going to catch you. Well, that's what we're doing. That's what Jesus asks us to do. Trust me with everything. Don't try to catch yourself. Don't try to figure out. Don't even look back with all of your heart. Trust me. And I will not let you fall. I will not fail you. Why? Because I love you with all of my heart. You can trust me with all of yours because I love you with all of mine. That's the wisdom that you and I need. Not just to make better decisions, but a God who makes life better. And I want to end with this question. Can can a foolish person become wise? Yeah, of course. A foolish person can become wise. Can a wise person still be foolish from time to time? Yeah. See, that shows us that knowing, there is no amount of knowing that is enough. Because if not, a wise person can never be foolish. But wise people can still be foolish. So that shows us that no amount of knowing is enough. You, in fact, you and I can't even hear God and believe God and obey God if it wasn't for Jesus. Because Jesus lives, we can hear the voice of God. Because Jesus lives, he gives us the gift of faith in order to believe. And because Jesus lives and we have the Holy Spirit empowering us, we can live and obey as he guides us into all truth, making our path straight, empowering us to be testimonies to the truth. Information can't do that. We need a transformation for that to happen. You and I cannot hear and believe and obey God without experiencing the love of God and putting all of our trust and our faith in him. We can love and trust in the Lord with all of our hearts because we have a Lord and a God who loves us with all of his. And the trustworthy love of Christ is what produces this kind of amazing life that can withstand, survive, any storm.